What is up, Combo Nation? Welcome to episode 516 of Combo's Court, and I am Combo. Don't forget to rate, review, punch down that subscribe button. It shouts to Prize Picks. Prize Picks is the largest independently owned daily fantasy sports platform in North America. It's the easiest and most exciting way to play DFS. That's right, daily fantasy sports. It's just you against the numbers. Instead of battling thousands of other players, including pros and sharks, you pick more than or less than on two to six player stat projections and watch the winnings roll in. Prize Picks offers promotions that can lead to big payouts like Taco Tuesday. <laughs> Each Tuesday, Prize Picks discount select player projections up to 25% to provide even more value. Prize Picks now offers Apple Pay for quick and easy deposits into your account this football season. Go to Prize Picks and use code COMBO for a first deposit match up to $100. Go to Prize Picks and use code COMBO. That's right, I said it one more time for a first deposit match up to $100. Also, I'll leave a link in the description for that. Combo Nation, we also have a new partnership with Good Drill. Good Drill. Shouts to Good Drill. Shouts to the CEO of Good Drill, Bobby White, who actually has listened to every episode of Combo's Court. There is, that's right, all 515 of them. He'll probably be hearing this and will be listening to 516 as well. Good Drills is a member-only app with professional coaches helping you become good. You can access Good Drills from anywhere in the world with internet. I do use Good Drills, especially the strength and conditioning program. It's fantastic. My favorite is their Times 20 program. You have everything you need when it comes to skill development and strength training right in the app. To learn more, I'll leave a link in the show notes for that. Today's show, formerly of the Boston Globe and ESPN contributor Bob Ryan returns to the show. We discuss the new look Celtics, an NBA comp for Wemby, the McHale and Bird relationship, and much more just a fantastic conversation with Bob. Intro music by Luca Beats. Let's get into it. Luca, don't do it to him. Ryan, welcome back to the show. It seems like the GMs have... Uh, did you see the GM survey? I did. Yeah, they have the Celtics versus the Nuggets. What's your reaction on that? Well, I think it's quite clear that the Celtics and Bucks are heading for a collision course. I don't, Would you not agree? And therefore, uh, you know, we'll go from there. But... Uh, uh, I, I think it's rational. I mean, they, they both have loaded up and, and they're both ready to go to go, go do it. Yeah. My simple view on it is as playoff performers, I believe in Giannis and Dame more than anybody on the Celtics. Okay. They, they've proven something. They got to ring the show for it. And uh, um, Giannis does. And, and so, yeah, Celtics have something to prove. I don't think there's any more overall talented team in the league and raw talent 
but the Celtics uh, have to got to take that final step and and get the head attached to the heart, attached to the body uh, in the way that's, for example, Golden State always has, and you know, and enough, and as as Miami did, and as uh, and as Denver did, they you know they the final step is is show the poise and 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 you know do the mental part, physical part. They got it. They have enough talent. Yeah, it's interesting. They have Drew coming off the bench. Um, oh no, no, I, that was that was. Please, you're not going to pay any attention to these exhibition lineups, are you? <laughs> no, seriously. Well, it is a decision that Coach Missoula has to make I mean, when it comes to the, the game, starters. Look at the, look at the lineup he used in, in in the second game in New York. I mean, all the regulars could have sat in the you know blue in the in the halo seats. Drew uh, Holiday's going to start. Don't mm-hmm. worry. Okay. Please, you pay no attention to these lineups. Come on, Bob. Are you of the belief that off the court camaraderie leads to on the court success? Uh, you know, not guaranteed. No, no. It's it, see that's it's it, these are easy narratives. These are easy journalistic narratives. Uh, um, you know, I mean that every situation is different, and, and there's no universal uh, application here. Um, learn, it, you, it, I will say that uh, teams that don't get along. We've even had teams that supposedly didn't get along that were successful. I give you the Oakland A's of the seventies and and all that, and uh, the Charlie Finley A's. Because they were united in their hatred of him. But uh, anyway, um, it's sometimes no, you, you need to have talented talent chemistry. You know, talent mesh. I'll call it that mesh. You need that, and and certainly uh, it, it it helps with you know you don't have to have kumbaya. They don't have to have to di- they don't have to go out to dinner together. It, it's nice. And it's fun and much more enjoyable and and ad- advisable, but it is not necessary. No. How was Birds, Mikhail's, and Parrish's chemistry? And have you ever heard anything about maybe Jalen and Jason's chemistry? Because you know there was this whole talk about splitting them up. Obviously, yeah. we're we're yeah. way past we're way past that now. I mean, Jalen signed the max. Jason will sign a max. But what are your thoughts on back then their chemistry? And do you see any parallels with the Celtics today? Um. Larry and Kevin uh, were uh, they they had an interesting relationship, total professional respect. And but Larry always I'm sure Kevin wasn't real happy that Larry uh, would occasionally say Kevin could be MVP in parentheses if he would work harder on close parentheses. And and and, uh, Kevin thought that Larry needed to get a life in a sense. You know, Larry couldn't understand why Kevin uh, how Kevin could be laughing and joking right up to the opening tap. And he had his game face on when he got to the arena and, and, and Kevin, you know, just wasn't like that. Uh, Robert went his own way. You know, they, they loved the chief. He was a fine, he was a great teammate for them, but uh, they, they, they didn't want to, the three of them weren't going out to dinner together. I mean, they just weren't, they were, they, they, but the total professional respect and, and that, and that was what mattered most. Yeah. It's interesting. I mean, Mikhail had his injuries, and now we have the new big with the Celtics, Porzingis, who has such an interesting journey so far. Like, he was very hyped. He was the original unicorn with the Knicks. Yep. Went to the Mavs. That didn't really work out. Had a stellar season with the Wizards, but they weren't very good. How much of his health is the key to the Celtics' success this season? It's it's extremely important. Um, they, they've decided to go in a different direction, with obviously, and, and, and bring in a that kind of a player that they did not have uh, 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 and, and, um, 
it's very important, but he does have a hit track record of not being able to make it to the finish line. Uh, he does get hurt. Uh, it's going to be very important. Now, uh, having said that, and a couple more things I'll say about him, but having said that, uh, how look at how many teams, what, what sport doesn't have teams that you have to worry about whether people are going to stay healthy or not. Look at the, uh, all around the league, you know, certainly we know that uh, the Lakers, uh, everything that in a sense, well, everything, Depends on the health. It depends on whether a, a, a LeBron in his 21st year can stay healthy for at least, say, 65 or 70 games. And then there's Anthony Davis, who's one of the great talents ever, frankly, but you're never sure when you're going to have him and, and when you need him. So this is part of the deal. But as far as Porzingis is concerned, my concern as a fan of basketball and someone who hates the three-point shot and has to live with it, and 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 those <laughs> had a hostile takeover of, of basketball at every level. Is that uh, I don't want him standing out in the corner shooting jump shots all night. I want his just big butt in a low post at times. And apparently last year when nobody watched the Wizards, and I know I didn't. I didn't realize he was posting up more and on route to those twenty three point nine points a game. And that's good news. I just hope Joe Missoula uses him properly and properly means at least 50% of the time he's, a, he's, a, he's acting seven, three and not six, three. Yeah. It's interesting that he does post up more. And that was part of the problem with him and Luca. They were afraid at the time that it would, you know, close off driving pass for Luca and not. Oh, yeah, and also spacing. And Carlisle and you're right. And, and, and I learned that Carlisle uh, and he had a problem with this, that he, he, uh, he didn't want to be an exclusive jump shooter. And, and uh, just as you alluded to, they, they had a different way of how that they should function. And I didn't realize that was what was, what was going on in a sense and why uh, he washed out of, of Dallas. I was kind of skeptical about that, that, but I find out that that was the reason. So I can live with that. In fact, I'm happy about that. So um, I want to, you know, I, I, I think he, he can be, and the other thing I learned about him is that, um, he's much more mobile defensively than you might think. Uh, he has some lateral mobility to go along with the fact that he's seven, three, he can block shots just standing around. Yeah. I mean, when he was with the Knicks, he was known as a great rim protector. I don't know if he's quite the defensive player that he was, but he might actually be better on offense than ever before. I mean, this is going to be really interesting. And I don't know if you saw him in that first preseason game, he was moving really well. Yes, he was. And that's encouraging, of course. And, and that's what, that's the guy I want to see. Brad Stevens, do you like his approach to how he has been as a GM? Obviously, you talk about the hostile takeover of the three-point line, and he's not a, as much of an analytics guy as, let's say, a Maury. Do you like more the analytical approach or the more like taking relationships I've, and the, human, and the human element of it? Yes, thank you. I've been railing against the Daryl Moorification of basketball for three <laughs> years now. Um, you know, the three's better than two, that the worst shot in basketball is the long two. I hate that. I hate it. I despise that. Uh, but uh, of course, I'm happy. I'm, I'm, I'm not a big Daryl Morey fan in that regard. Um, Brad Stevens, very smart guy. I'm very impressed with Brad Stevens, uh, having observed him now for almost a decade. And I um, I, I, I do like, I, I like the way he thinks. And, and um, I, I don't think he wants... I think he can balance the the modern analytics with with old school, you know, eye test. Uh, I'm confident that he could that he's and and I like certainly I, I I like the approach, the aggressive approach he took to the offseason here, uh, for sure. And uh, even last year, picking up Blake Griffith with you know uh, what turned out to be a really good move for them in the locker room. And um, so I'm, I'm I like the way he goes about his business. Yes. Speaking of Maury, I mean, you've been covering the league for a very long time. Have you seen anything like what James Harden did in China 
when he just went out and called Dalmore a liar? No. I mean, this is this whole James. James Harden is writing his own chapter in basketball history. Uh, he's a unique phenomenon, frankly, in, in, in several ways on and off the court. And it continues as we speak. Uh, he's in limbo. We don't know where it's going to be, what's going to happen. And, uh, um, you know, so no. But what he did, and I, look, I, none of, who, who, about, who among us knows what Daryl Murray said to him and when? I mean, I'm not, I'm not this, I, I, I don't like hearing that, but I don't like, I, but then again, I don't know what was told. I don't know. Maybe he's telling the truth. I don't know. Yeah, it's almost like we don't have enough information to. No, eat how would we? You know, only the only two people know, you know, and then the, those two. Yeah, it's like who knows what these promises were, and yeah. now, yeah, it, it, it's super crazy. All right, I wanted to take it back to the summer because Team USA did not even medal. Were you surprised by this? And how much of this is just the evolution of the game since the Dream Team? Went to Barcelona in I, 1992. I, uh, that's a, I wasn't so surprised that we didn't win because we sent a B team, and a B team is no longer as it certainly it, will never win the Olympics. In fairness, I mean, Jokic didn't play for Serbia. There was a bunch of yeah. guys not playing, right? Yeah, um, but the fact that Germany won surprised me, and and I okay. didn't, I wouldn't have expected them to win. I would have gone for a middle European team, perhaps as you mentioned, and and if they had the right lineup, and and of course Spain's best days are behind it. Apparently they're not. They 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 had that one run and they had two great chances to get goals from us and in in uh, Beijing and London. Um, France ought to be better, but they didn't all show up. France has got some players. Yeah, and, and Canada was. I think Canada's roster was every bit as good as ours. And and uh, you know Canada. I'm, I'm keep waiting for them to make their move in the Olympics and and get a medal at least get a medal get on the podium i mean we have they, canada should be there no we didn't send we sent a b team uh and and, and what team and when your best player is anthony edwards you know nothing he's a fine player but he's not a top 10 player uh you know then uh that that it wasn't good enough and we had an a plus coaching staff that's the thing that surprised me you know we had it wasn't like we didn't have good coaches god knows and and so we had a wonderful coaching staff um uh, but not to get a medal at all yeah i was a little surprised at that, but I'm most surprised that Germany is the one who, who you know got the gold. I'll be the f- last five in- uh, MVPs have been international players. What do you feel that internationals bring to the game? And we didn't medal, as I said. What do you feel like these players bring to the game that Americans haven't been lately? Obviously, we still have the most talent, but it does seem like the top end town is becoming more and more well, international examine players. Examine them; they're all okay. You're you're, you're looking at uh, uh, they're all six ten or better. And and so so American the I don't know. First of all, let's go back. The the big takeaway is that this is the culmination and this is the the evolution of basketball from the dream team, which is which is going to go down in history as the dividing line in in basketball history for the world. That that the uh, the goal of the dream team uh, of Boris Tankovich's vision. The reason there was a dream team was because the Americans were dragged into this kicking and screaming by Boris Tankovich, who wanted to show the world how the bar should be, where the bar is for them. And uh, and we did not, it was not our idea, it had nothing to do with losing the in Seoul to the Russian, to, to the Soviet Union, excuse me. Um, it had to do with Boris Tankovich creating the, uh, the Olympics for professionals. Now, here we are, and 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 30 years later, and this is what we're getting. We're getting uh, international stars. And this thing is that uh, in America, the, the classic use of a big man 
you know, is is gone Daryl Morey, you know, world, you know, where they don't care about it posting up anymore. They got the better big people. And uh, uh and of course they're versed they're very versed but because they can do it all. They can do and they're very gifted, versatile players. Giannis is a you know, he's a freak. He was a freak, he's a Greek freak. Uh and, and <laughs> You know, and, and he is. And, uh, Jokic is is a combination of, of Bill Walton and Larry Bird, and 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 that's, that's what he is. And and uh, and he's special. And and Embiid is a, a modern, tremendous seven foot athlete. Uh, and and he, but he can you know he, he can do the whole package. His fifty two point game against the Celtics was one of the great clinics I've ever seen of a big man. Uh, he he has a complete personal offensive package of, of shot making ability and mobility that uh what american who's the best american big center pure center i don't know, do we even have one it's interesting because i was talking to um a friend who works at the nba and he told me you know carl anthony towns is the most yeah. talented player in the nba he could do literally everything except win well he's got the talent and the other guy of course as a generic big uh, Anthony Davis, I mentioned him earlier as, and he's, you know, he, he's, he's, he's a hybrid. He, they don't really have, I was funny, I'm looking at their roster. They don't really have a center on the roster that of worth anything uh, at all. And the Lakers, that's how we're, that's where we've come. If you want to m- make him a center, fine. But, um, but I mean, just, this is a tribute to the, to the, the way that the game has grown in the last 30 years and, and the inspiration that was provided uh, and an example that was set by the dream team that was uh, that uh, young uh, Dirk Nowitzki in Germany was watching and young Manu Ginobili and, and Bahia Blanca Argentina was watching and many others were watching. And and, and this is where we are now. And uh, they owe it all to the dream team. Speaking of the evolution of the game, did you get to see Chet versus Wemby play? Chet could be the next. Oh, America. boy, I I saw highlights and. Uh, that is going to be so much fun to have these two guys now. Um, absolutely. Um, you know, Chet, I was, you know, obviously we, we had to wait a year for Chet. Um, um, this is, this is a big deal for the NBA to have these guys now uh, as, 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 as we, you know, move into in, deeper into the 21st century. Um, um, can't, you know, they're both going to be appointment TV. Yeah. But yeah. those two teams, suddenly you, you want to want to see those teams and, and yeah. that's great for the league. Do you do they remind you of anybody from the past? <laughs> uh, you know the the first person that that came to mind uh, when you saw uh, Wembyanya Wembyanya is is probably thinking about how Ralph Sampson didn't want to be a big guy either. You know he wanted to shoot jump shots, uh, but he didn't have this level of mobility. He had good mobility and. And I mean, he didn't have a big heart, Ralph Sampson. If I, I, I hate to tell you, but but uh, he certainly had this, uh, some skill. Uh, but he was a big finesse player. Um, of course, the godfather of all these multi-skilled European players never played in the NBA. But he's the he's the, the godfather of them all, and that's Krasimir Chosic. And if you're old enough to remember him, you know what I'm talking about. And if you aren't, you have to go ask your father and uncle and grandfather and <laughs> and, and aging sports writer uh, like myself. Uh, to tell you about Krasimir Chosic, but um, he was he had he had six ten look away passes, uh, all kinds of mobility, and and uh, but he never played in the NBA. He stayed in Europe and and uh, and, and and did his uh, playing there. But they all descend from him. Yeah, it's interesting when you watch Chet and Wemby. The thing that pops off the screen. You talked about Ralph Sampson's lack of toughness, but those guys are tough, man. Those, they're well, slender, but they're tough. Well, that's imp- it. Better be it. When you know, I I, I still looking at. Holmgren is listed 
It's seven foot one ninety five. <laughs> wow. And I, I, I weigh more than that at six five. And you know, <laughs> I think back. Yao, you know, look at Yao. Yao was seven six, and and he, along with it, you know, he was carrying, you know, very well. You know, like what two eighty maybe. You know, and and uh, yeah, but he's Holmgren. How he's going to survive with that body, and 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 Victor too. How they're going to survive with those bodies? They they better be resourceful, and and uh, as all you know. So it's going to be interesting to see how these careers evolve, given given their very peculiar uh, you know uh, b- body type. Yeah, I mean, Bill Wallen was a guy that was plagued by injuries, right? He almost left the, he almost left basketball, and then the Celtics. He came back to the Celtics, didn't he? Like, oh, well, leave well, Bill, oh well, God, yeah. Well, my, you know, Bill, I, I, I think when Bill's game was the best game ever, and but when he was healthy, and wait, the, ever, 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 the best game ever. I've been saying for years. You probably haven't, maybe you haven't heard this because I've been saying this to him, but I've written it, I've said it. If Earth. We're in a one-game winner-take-all for uh, against the interplanetary invader, and the loser would go into servitude for all humanity, all eternity. The first pick of any basketball player who's ever laced up a sneaker in America for that game, my pick would be Bill Walton. I would run my offense through him. I would run my defense through him, uh, and I would be in perfect shape. And there's never been a center that combined those two aspects to the degree that he did. Uh, and and the, with the passing, he's you know he stands. He's still the model. The the the, the name that that uh, Jokic is chasing is is uh, as the best passing center of all time uh, is Bill Walton. Yeah. So anyway, but you know he his he he was hurt. He was all hurt all the time. But his best was the best. I think I'm going with Bird against the aliens over Walton. Well, Bird. Uh, okay, <laughs> fine. And you know, and, and yeah, let me tell you something. Taking them together was almost unfair at times. Uh, it was, it was, and it was, Walter was only a shell of himself, right? No, well, he was that year. He got it, it was a miracle. He played 88, 82 games and, and, he, and he played in every playoff game. Uh, he, he was the healthiest that he ever was in his entire NBA career that year. And, and uh, it was uh, giving with, with Paris the greatest one two center punch the NBA has ever seen or ever will see. And, uh, uh, but he was healthy that year and, and healthy enough to play. And, uh, I'll tell you something about Bill Wallen. His rebound technique was, I, I, I got, I didn't realize what an extraordinary rebounder he was till I saw him up close and personal every day. And his rebound technique was extraordinary. Uh, um, and he and Bird together, they had a chemistry. They had eye contact for, they ran a simple give and go right out of the New York Celtics of 1922 uh, and made it and had variations on it and, and absolutely befuddled teams. You know, it was, it was a hilarious watching them make fools out of people. As the historian you are, what were your thoughts on how the Celtics were projected in the winning time series? And why do you think it was canceled? Well, I don't know why exactly it was canceled. It was a it was an abomination. It was a disgusting, uh, ridiculous, <laughs> libelous criminal. Uh, and I'm talking about what they did to Jerry West. What they did to Jerry West yeah. was and Jerry West talked about suing, and I wish he had. It was unfair. And and do you really think that the buffoon played by John C. Wiley in that show could have made 10 cents in his life, let alone the millions of dollars to, to go out and buy a, a team that he was portrayed as a complete doofus. Uh, that, that's, that was not Dr. Jerry Buss, trust me. Uh, and of course the portrayal of Larry Bird was, was horrible. What was and, bad? What was bad about the portrayal of Larry Bird? Well, I mean, you had him, they had, they, 
no, what they had him doing? Some stupid stuff with spitting and oh god, it was it was ridiculous and you know and and dips and oh it, it, it was awful. It wasn't Larry Bird and but the worst was Bird, was West and it was awful. Um, it, it, it was an abomination and and it deserved to be canceled. Do you have any Bird trash talking stories? Because I hear they're legendary. No, I I think that. To me, it's funny, you know. I'm I'm Larry. I wrote the book with Larry. I wrote first with Larry. Of course, Jackie. Yeah, you know, fun, you know. Fun fact: my mom She's read me, too. Wait, wait, wait. Fun fact: I read my mom read me that book when I was a kid. Your book, Drive. Okay. Um, um, Larry. I think it was overplayed. I think this whole thing with people want to believe more. They want to believe it more than it really happened. I don't think he was that bad. I think there were certain things. There were a couple of funny ones. So I love the the one he did with uh, Frank Layden that night when he did run by Frank Layden. And said, "Hey, don't you have anybody who can guard me?" And and uh, uh, that was good. And and I can tell you one he did in the locker room in Cleveland uh, when uh, against Cleveland when uh, uh, this is uh, and they're playing the Cavaliers in Hartford, Connecticut. And if Jamie says, "Who's going to guard me?" and I, I I forget it was a rookie. I told him, and he laughed, and he went out and had twenty nine the first half. You know. Uh, okay, and- the Haw- the Hawks won when the 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 team was like laughing at their own team. Remember that. Well, that's yeah. the night he had the 60 points, right? And he, yeah. he had a shot. They just about fell off the bench. He made a three right in front of them, falling back, falling down, you know, and, and they, they literally fell off the bench. And uh, But I, I really don't have any great uh, trash-talking stories. I think it's overblown. Yeah. How, how's it going with your latest book, Bob? Well, we're doing a paper. The paperback just came out, which was good okay. news. And okay. uh, in, in, in scoring position and with Bill Chuck and my baseball book, uh, about my 44 years worth of scorebooks and all the oddities and new history and fun and, and interesting things that happen in baseball. And and thank you for asking. And and uh, yeah, in scoring position by Triumph Books. So uh, we're, we're working on a sequel. They liked it. Yeah. enough. We're doing a, a second one with uh, we can. Uh, there was so much left over. Wow. Congratulations, yeah. Bob. Thank you. Yeah, that's great. Um, how much they have done things when it comes to broadcast of baseball to speed up the game. Is that correct? Oh, yeah, absolutely necessary. And I, I do see backsliding in the playoffs, though. Uh, okay. I'm, I'm checking the, the, the time of game every day, and there's too many threes. And and uh, at, and uh, we're sliding backwards. They better be more vigilant. But it, 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 it was the best thing that happened to baseball – Truly, the best single thing to happen to baseball in in my lifetime was 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 addressing this problem finally, as firmly as they did, and and sticking with it. And don't let them backslide. Don't be talking about going down to up to twenty seconds. Keep it at fifteen. All right, keep the guys on base at twenty. Uh, do that, but it 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 immeasurably improved the game. Do you think we need to speed up the game in basketball in some way because the attention spans of the younger viewer? I don't think so. I, I, I think the, the biggest problem and, you know, in both college and pro basketball, there are too many times out. And of course, mm-hmm. as long as you've got TV uh, ads to sell, it's not going to change, but you don't need these many times out. And I, I, I dread games. And I always say, uh, you know, and the other thing, the one other thing about basketball, particularly in college, it's not so bad in the NBA is the, uh, uh, the endless, games not just because of the times out but because of all the fouling and i always say when when you get to be uh two minutes to play or three minutes to play i hope that somebody's up by two or 20 because if there's anything in between we're going to see foulorama i i I really got to the point when i was still working and i have been retired officially since 2012 that i i would go to college games and when 
I would not watch Ballarama. I would say, okay, I pack up my crap and go back to the press room and get ready to go to the locker room. I'm not watching this nonsense in the last two minutes of this of this this continual fouling. And uh, uh, that that's a that's an eyesore in basketball. But there, there are just too many times out. And uh, but I'm afraid we can't do anything about that because they got to sell they got to sell the products. Bob, great stuff. You're always welcome back on the show. Tell us about your latest book one more time, so everybody. Well, knows. it's called In Scoring Position, and and uh, it, it it the fact is that I've kept score at every baseball game that I've been to at every level since the beginning of the 1977 Red Sox season when I was the beat man for that one full season, and I kept up the process of scoring uh, thereafter. And uh, not just Red Sox. I've been all over the country. There's over 40 different ballparks, I think, that I and uh, uh, playoff games and both. And, and World Series games and and um, all kinds of stuff. And uh, there's some interesting little oddities and, and fascinating stuff in there and history and everything from stuff that people know, Reggie, 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 you know, the 1977, everybody knows that one. Well, I got I got a little uh, anecdotal stuff to come out of that. And and uh, that's, so you never know where, and my collaborator, Bill Chuck, is a renowned baseball historian and researcher. And he could go in his and see stuff that I never even saw in my own book. And I write what it's all about that he comes in and fleshes it out. Uh, maybe tell us about the history of certain things and whatever. And he, and um, we worked really, 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 really well together as well. He's an excellent writer and, and his eye for baseball is, is tremendous. It's a niche book, though, I'll tell you, Andrew. Uh, it's a niche book. Uh, if you're, you got to be a really serious baseball fan. I'm not going to lie. It's not for the casual fan. This is for the serious fan. Okay. Actually, I have one more thing I wanted to talk to you about. I actually had Woody Page on the show ah. uh, not too long ago, a friend of yours. He mentioned you. He actually is from the belief, and he's obviously from an era that's a little different than mine, but we come from the same cloth in this regard. He believes that you shouldn't be – a fan of the sport if you're covering the sport do you believe that as well no i am completely against that uh i think <laughs> no yeah you have to be true to your personality and okay and, and i'm a fan first everything stems from that that's why i'm a sports writer i'm a, a sports writer as opposed to a entertainment writer or a political writer or a medical writer i'm a sports writer i'm a sports fan and and that's how I do it. I approach it from the eye of a fan. And and I love it. I hate it when people say, well, I just want to write about people. You know what? Writing about people is the layup drill of writing. If you cannot write about people, if you profess yourself to be a writer, if you have the the, the uh, vocabulary and the compassion and the insight and the humor and the, and baba, you know, and the human qualities, it's writing about people is, is easy. It's the, it's, Making some chicken salad out of you know what uh, on, on a boring game in February or August fifteenth or whatever the sport may be. It's just uh, and it, it's about the eye for that, and it's about being a fan. So for me, absolutely. And and here's the other thing about being. Uh, it's all about the people. If it weren't for the games, who'd care about these people? So you know, it it, it doesn't matter. Uh, you know that. Uh, you you have to start you have to love the game and 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 the games and and then it comes from so that's um i totally reject that but you know there's some good writers that are so-called detached but i've never been detached and i won't be for the love of the game i love that uh bob you're always welcome back on the show thank you for taking the time and talk soon okay you're welcome bye bye now there it was episode 516 is in the books Shout to Prize Picks. Use code COMBO for a first deposit match up to $100. And shouts to Good Drills 
As I talked about earlier in this episode in the intro, Good Drills is a members-only mobile app with professional coaches helping you become good. You can access Good Drills from anywhere in the world with internet. It's combos court approved. I do use the program. I have been using the program, and it has given me tremendous gains. I'll leave a link in the show notes for that as well. You know you can find me on Instagram at 12combo. That's O-N-E-T-W-O-C-O-M-B-O. If you use my code on prize picks or you use the link in the show notes for good drills, let me know on Instagram. Send me a DM at 12combo. That's O-N-E-T-W-O-C-O-M-B-O. Supporting prize picks with the promo code combo supports the show. Supporting good drills with the link I provided in the show notes is another way to support Combo's Court. Be on the lookout for episode 517. Combo out.